They made it. They crossed the Jordan River. They walked right through on dry land and the river over time as it does moved some of the rocks that was once beautiful and all the OCD people in the Israelite camp were like, hey, those rocks were cool. I put that rock there. Why are you moving my rock, river? And, but they moved on because guess what? After 40 years and after slavery and bondage, they had walked and followed a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And they followed through obedience and they followed through death and loved ones. And generation after generation, they had followed God's promise. They followed courage and obedience. Now it's time as they've crossed the river to receive abundant blessing, the promised land. The promised land. They've crossed the Jordan River, the miraculous moment where they enter in to the promised land. Woohoo! Yes! Woo! Isn't this great? Yeah, goosebumps everywhere. Yes, guys, this is huge. Like, this is the place, if you go back, way back, I know we're in Joshua, but if you go way back to the beginning of the Bible, God had originally promised Father Abraham that he would give him many sons. And many sons have father. If you grew up in church, you're in the right place. If you're not, you're looking at me like, I'm out of here. What kind of cult is this? Anyways, God had promised Abraham not only many, many, many sons, but he promised them a land flowing with milk and honey, a place that would be their own, that not only would be a place of their own, but that where, they would, where God would promise that he, would be, he and his people would be God's own people. That even to this day, God has protected this nation, has chosen this nation to be his special chosen nation. And it has come to pass. It took a while. It took bondage and slavery, and it took new leaders to rise up, and it took more than, as we learned this morning, more than seven years for God to, to really bring to fruition what he was wanting to do through the vision of leaders like Abraham and Moses. It, it took obedience, and it took disobedience. It took courage, it took obedience, but this was the moment where they received that abundant blessing. And as they crossed over that river, this was the moment that they got to receive that abundant blessing. But I don't know if you're following along in Joshua 1, 2, 3, 4, and today we're in Joshua 6 and 7. But there's not really this glorious moment when they cross the river. There's not this 4th of July celebration. There's not this moment where, woohoo! Yes, Krispy Kreme has fallen from the sky again, called manna. And we are, like, I see the waterfalls of milk and honey, and it's all free, and this is the place that God has been talking about, and we have finally received it. We have received the land of promise, and our troubles are gone. No, in fact, they crossed the river, and they remembered what God had done. But as soon as they stepped foot across the river, they realized, they realized, they, they did receive the promised land, but they realized that they had to conquer it. They had to take the land. Because the land was already inhabited by other people. And we touched on this last week. We touched on several different uh, people that lived there. Uh, specifically today, our focus is the Canaanites. Uh, specifically today, there are two battles that we're going to discuss uh, the battle of Jericho and the battle of Ai. And um, before you get lost in the minutia of all the details of what these battles look like, and maybe you're familiar with um, Old Testament 
uh, Israel, Israeli battles, or maybe you're not, um, I, or maybe perhaps you just go back to that moment years ago when you were in Sunday school with the flannel board. Um, this is a bit of a, a quick general review of what it looked like for the battle of Jericho. And then what it looked like for the battle of Ai, which you may not have heard a whole lot about, which is very similar to the battle of Jericho, um, but it just didn't end the same way. Today, the story is very clear. Today, the message is very clear. Today, the message is about God's faithfulness and man's unfaithfulness. God's faithfulness and man's unfaithfulness. You see, there's a difference between man's faithfulness and, or excuse me, God's faithfulness and man's unfaithfulness and how we receive that, how we conquer and receive the land that God has promised to us. And it really comes down to one thing for us, obedience. Obedience. All right, so let's zoom out for just a moment. What is our theme? What is our ultimate theme for the book of Joshua? Our ultimate theme for the book of Joshua is what? It is courage plus Obedience equals, yeah, you're with me still. This is awesome. All right, one more time. It is plus equals, yes. And we've talked about how courage is the fun part. Courage is like the coach screaming at you at the sideline. You're running with the football right down the sideline. He's like, go, go, go. Courage is like, yeah, I got this. But the obedience part. That's the part that we like to skip over, right? It's the part that we're like, that's the tough, that's the gritty part. That's the just, if you love me, you keep my, that's the, the rules that God, God has given us. That's the part where we're actually going to park today. But don't lose me yet. Don't, don't leave, don't leave yet. Because I think there's something here today for you. And in fact, if you're already noticing that I got a lot of energy it's not energy because too much coffee. It's energy because I'm angry. I'm ticked. Because I'm looking at the big picture here. And I'm looking at my own life. And I'm looking, I'm thinking as your pastor, I'm, as a shepherd, and I'm, I'm, I know several different things going on in, in your lives. And I'm thinking about what's going on in, in our country. And sometimes I get, if you know me really well, you, you know, like, Corey, you get overwhelmed real quick. And I, I'm looking sometimes at all these things, and I'm like, it's really easy to get discouraged. And I know God has abundant blessing for us. And I'm usually the guy that wants to bring courage to people. And I know that God has called us to obey. But there's, for me, there's sometimes I get stuck right here, personally, if I can be honest. Either really encouraged, or at times I get really discouraged. And, and I don't know if you're with me this morning, but it's really easy for me to, to read a story like this or read chapter 7 without reading chapter 6 or, or looking at this past week and looking at one day without looking at the rest of the days or looking at last year without looking at the last five years. Um, it's really easy to get lost. And, and I, I just need you to know that that God's got a bigger thing happening. And when you get discouraged, when you get down, when you get frustrated, it's really easy. This is my, well, the point of what I'm trying to say right now. It's, it's really easy to get uh, filled with discouragement or self-pity or woe is me. And I, I had this moment recently where I was like, you know what? Um, we have victory. We've already won. There's not a situation, there's literally not a situation in life or death or everything in between that can be handed to us where we have not won. In our mental, physical, or any situation that has been handed to us where we have not already won in the name of Jesus. In life or death or in eternity, that God has not already given us victory over and through in His name. So it's really easy for us to zoom in and like get these blinders on and see Tuesday or see our pain 
and want to get encouraged today and come this morning and be like, okay, yesterday was a hard day. Or this morning's a hard day. I need, I need some encouragement. Great. I hope you leave encouraged. But I want to encourage you to zoom out and see your life. I want to encourage you to zoom out and see eternity. Jesus has set us free. Abundant blessing doesn't just wait for you in 2019. Abundant blessing waits for you forever and ever. Because your sins have been forgiven. Heaven is waiting because Christ has paid for your sins. And he wants to be with you. He wants to know you. And he's paid the price to be with you. That is the abundant blessing. The promised land that he's laid out for us. And so rather than to get discouraged where it's so easy for us to be, I got mad. Like, that's dumb. Why would we get discouraged? I'm mad. Like, why would the, why would the devil have any power to discourage me or you? Bro needs kicking the teeth. He's got no power over us. Who the Son has set free is free indeed. Hey, psst, this Friday, we're, we, not necessarily on the calendar, but this Friday, we celebrate or remember what Christ did on the cross. We remember, contemplate the sacrifice that Jesus paid. And it's a reverent moment. But don't think for one second that that needs to be ultimately somber. He got off that cross. He rose from the dead. He is alive, not just in spirit, physically. He's got the scars to prove it. He's coming back again. He sent his spirit, not to float around and be all strange. He, he sent his spirit to live in you. To live in you. Not to live in you if you, if you like, obey. Not to live in you when you just feel discouraged and you're like, I just need a, I just need a, I just got a down day. I just need encouragement. Every day. Every day. You need courage. He is your courage. You need obedience. He has been obedient even unto death, the death of the cross. Hebrews chapter 12, he was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, so that you can have abundant blessing. Christ Jesus is our everything. So I'm just coming at you from the beginning. I know we're back. Okay, back to Joshua. I want you to know that you have victory when we cross over. I, I know what it's like. Uh, how many of you are the type of people that you get really excited and get your expectations up? about certain things, um, and then when you, and then when something happens, and then you realize this wasn't what you expected, it's like the whole bounce house deflates, right? How many are those kind of people? Yeah, okay. So six of us can be real this morning. All right. Cool. Church is a place where I can be real. All right, so I have a feeling this is how it went. They crossed the Jordan. <laughs> it's like Alanis Morissette, isn't it ironic, just started playing when this happened. <laughs> isn't it ironic? As, don't you think? <laughs> Someone already lives here, God! What in the world? And they've already built a really big wall in Jericho. All right, so let's jump there. Because you don't want to hear from me the whole time. You want to hear from God's word. <coughs> Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6. So they have freshly crossed on dry land. God performed this miracle of splitting the Jordan. Very much like Moses. Joshua, as Katie so eloquently and amazingly did last week, described how Joshua is the new Moses. Joshua is the new Moses, and it says in verse 1 of chapter 6, Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out, none came in. 
None went out, none came in, and all and the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all of the men of war going around the city once. Thus you shall go for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of rams, horns, before the ark. On the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times. And the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall go up, everyone shall, everyone straight before him. So Joshua, the son of Nun, called priests and said to them, take up the Ark of the Covenant. What, remember, do you remember from last couple weeks what the Ark of the Covenant is? Covenant is the Ark of the Covenant represented in that time the presence of God um, because in the Ark of the Covenant in this box that was carried around uh, represented not just the presence of God but in it was uh, was parts of the Ten Commandments parts of, of other religious uh, I'll say artifacts for the sake of time that rep that um, the priests had put in there that represented uh, different um, aspects of sacrifices and worship to the one true God. Um, again, this is ultimately representing of God's presence. Um, verse 7. And he said to the people, go forward, march around the city, and let the armed men pass on before the ark of the Lord. And just as Joshua had commanded the people, the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of the ram's horns before the Lord went forward, blowing the trumpets with the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord following them. <laughs> okay, how many... No, I'm not going to ask that out loud. Um, I, I, I love how... I've had a few conversations with people that have, um, have doubts about... Um, that, like, maybe atheists or um, that doubt God is real... And they sometimes sometimes they they'll doubt different stories in the Bible, and they always go to Jonah. It, I don't know if you've been in that situation, but they always go to Jonah. Large fish eats a guy, and they were like, "How can God? How can that be legit?" Now I understand that's a crazy story, which I believe is true, but they're like, "How can that be true?" And then I'm reading this story, and I'm like. This is a crazy, like, how do they, do they know this is in here? Like, this is crazy. People march around. Do you realize this is not some podunk little wall? Um, they talk, they, there's different estimates of what this wall looked like, but they talk about how uh, some estimates that this wall is 7 feet wide, 35 feet tall. You're not talking bricks made at the local hardware store. You're talking um, these guys, packed together, 35 feet tall, fortifying an entire city. So if your wall, huge, right? You're pretending, you're, you knew that was coming. You knew that was coming. Um, you're, you're completely protected from all of the enemies trying to come in. Or, as it says at the beginning, trying to come out. And so the Israelites were encamped on the outside of it, trying to figure out how are we going to conquer these people. And, and, and historically, they, there would be times where they would, over time, it take sometimes months or years, they'd dig underneath. Or they would pile the dirt so high that they could go over it. Or they would start different fires at different parts by the gate or whatever where it would smoke them out. Or they would surround them if they're outnumbered and they would literally starve them to the point where they would surrender. And so at this point, the Israelites are just waiting. And God comes to them and says, I want you, this is going to, just so you know, this is going to take a week, guys. And, and they're, you know, oh, what, what's your plan, God? All right, I want you to walk around one time for six days. And on the seventh day, I want you to walk around seven times. 
and see those, uh, remember those priests? Remember those guys that stacked the stones? Get those guys out again. And by this time, word's spreading like, oh, man. Because at this point, courage is important. Everyone's filled with courage because of what God did. But obedience, obedience is on the tip of their tongue and on the tip, on the head of their, on the, like right on the front of their mind. Why? Because they just remembered what God had done. That's important. You see, Ginny Allen says this incredible quote. I love it. She says, great moves of God are always preceded by simple acts of obedience. Great moves of God are usually preceded by simple acts of obedience. Conduit, i got to ask you today, again, I, I want to park at the obedience part. This courage part aspect you may get, but where are you at in this moment today? What has God asked you to do? It's not as exciting. It maybe needs to be revisited. God is God. And he's faithful. And he's good. And he's merciful. And you need to know that God will move. Not only on your behalf. But he'll move on, your, on an entire nation. He'll move on an entire church. He'll move on an entire city. He'll move on an entire family. He'll move on an entire body. He'll move on everything. Great moves of God are usually preceded by simple acts of obedience. What, what happened at the river? Hey, just go, get those, just go get those pastors. Tell them to hold that, that Ark of the Covenant thing. Step into the river and stand there. Simple acts of obedience. Hey, but there's also simple acts of disobedience, right? You guys remember Moses? We've been talking about him. Do you, have you ever noticed why? Have you ever wondered why Moses isn't in the promised land? Do you know he journeyed with the Israelites for 40 years? 40 years. Do you know God purposely didn't allow him into the promised land? He literally died right on the riverbank before they were allowed to go in. Do you know that all over a million people suffered? And over a million people suffered and weren't allowed to go into the promised land because of his simple disobedience. So what did he do? What did he disobey in? What did he do? Did he kill a guy? Well, yeah, he did do that. But that, that was, that's not the point. <laughs> that's not the point. God told Moses to speak to a rock so the water would come out. Moses got angry. How many got anger issues today? No, I was just And Moses got mad and he struck the rock with a stick. Well, guess what happened? Water came out. That's great. But him and God had a little talk later. He says, you disobeyed me. It, it, wasn't that the, it wasn't that the stick hurt the rock. It was that he simply disobeyed God. Did it, if you remember the Lion King, remember Mufasa? Um, do you remember Simba? Do you remember what Simba did that ended up getting his dad killed? He deliberately disobeyed his daddy. It's a simple acts of disobedience. That's Moses. You, you need conduit. You need to know this. Not that God's up there with a clipboard and he's like, all righty, struck the rock. Some of you today are like, oh man, I've done worse than striking the rock. I'm in big trouble we'll get to the fact that God is merciful and all of his wrath was put on his son Jesus. But you also need to know there's a difference between living and living. There's a difference between being alive and being truly alive. And you need to know that 
by, by one of the greatest men that I've ever had the privilege of knowing. And I don't even know if this quote, I doubt this quote is even uh, original to him, but one of the greatest men who's passed away, Dan Drake, uh, one of the greatest men I've ever known, said this all the time. He says, Jesus didn't come to make the bad people good. He came to make the dead people come alive. You need to know that Jesus came to not make you be good. He came to make you come alive. This isn't about you, God, like, oh, yep, give you a C today. He wants you to be made alive in Christ. He already, yeah, God is keeping score. But game over. It is finished on the cross. And back here, the, the, the disobedience and the obedience aspect had an effect, as it still does. It had an effect for Moses. Um, if you rewind even before that, uh, Adam and Eve, she just, I mean, she, uh, we could get into a whole debate there with Adam and Eve, but they, they just wanted some fruit, right? Simple acts of disobedience. Go back to that quote, if you guys would. I want you to see with your eyes. Great moves of God are usually preceded by simple acts of obedience. Today, what is a simple act of obedience for you? God's, God's not, you're, you're not a horse with a rod on your mouth and God's just like yanking at you to get you to go right or left. As I said a few weeks ago, as we do with our kids, when our kids are running towards the street, we're not yelling at them to stop right before they get to the street because we don't like them running. We, we yell at them to get them to stop because there's a car coming. God's promises are true because there's pain involved in our sin. God's promises are true because there's joy involved in obedience. Hebrews 5.9 says, And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. 1 John 2.3 says, And by this we know we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. If you want to know God, this is how we know him, is we get to know his heart. Why did God make up that rule? Why did God, like, think, has anyone ever thought about this? God said, these are my top ten. We, we, we see God, Moses, like, him coming down the mountain with, like, these ten rules, like, all right, here's ten rules God gave. Has anybody ever thought about these are ten things that are of utmost importance to the creative creator who made us, who knows the deepest need and desire of our heart. And these are guardrails that are what ultimately going to give us joy and are going to connect us to, to, to truly who he truly is. I want to know God. And so we're going to know this by keeping his commandments. 1 John 5, 3 says... For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. His commandments are not burdensome. Do you know what David says about the commandments of the Lord? David says that the commandments of the Lord are like honey on his lips. Have you ever said that? I don't know if I've been that, I don't know if I've gone that far to say that. Oh, God, your rules, they're just like honey on my lips. But that's the point of them. They're to, they're to ultimately drive us to the heart of God. They're to drive us to the point where we cannot, there's no way I can keep all these. There's no way I can be perfect. There's no way that I can do all this without, like, being perfect. There's no way that ultimately I can accomplish this, the ultimate leads us to a, the one who did. That's the point of the law. That's the point of the Ten Commandments. That's the point of this. Just so that it would bring us to the one who did keep all of the law. So that it would connect us ultimately with him. Conduit, you need to know that obedience is important. And it's those simple acts of obedience and importance, but it's also those simple acts of disobedience 
that, yeah, maybe a rock doesn't fall out of the sky and crush us in that moment, but maybe when we cross that river um, and we, we miss, we, we celebrate what God's done, but what, what we miss is the true blessing of what God has in our life because we're so distracted by what, by what we think we need, by what we think we want. Um, I saw a quote recently that said, um, the fastest The fastest moving thing on the planet is a three-year-old after you say what's in your mouth. <laughs> Why? Because they want to hold on so tightly to what they put in their mouth. Isn't that us, though? We want so bad this thing or that thing that we neglect, that we're not trying to rob we're not trying to rob our kid from, we're trying to protect them. When God is asking us to simply obey, he's ultimately asking us, he's ultimately encouraging us, he's ultimately protecting us from harm. He's, he's inviting us and wooing us in to blessing so that we can get to the abundant blessing that is the promised land as it was for them. So, Back to Jericho, um, we get to, holy moly, wow, how do you, okay, let's make this very brief, all right, so, all right, let me just briefly tell you that after Jericho, let me end with Jericho, but let me skip over Jericho for a moment. After Jericho, um, there was another battle, the battle of Ai. In the battle of Ai, between Jericho and Ai, there was, there was a gentleman um, named Achan, um, or if you're being super technical, Achan, um, and he did something naughty. And God said that when you conquer a city, um, specifically, I don't want you to take the devoted things. Uh, there are things in there that you plunder um, that I don't want you, I don't want you to take, like, all their stuff. Like, don't do that. Um, but, like, like some people, I won't call any, um, anyways, um, like we like to do sometimes, your junk is my treasure. Um, when the, um, the Battle of Jericho um, ended. Um, Achan saw some things he liked, specifically some silver coins, a bar of gold, um, and a really nice robe. And he took it. He disobeyed God, and he hid it in his tent. And nobody knew that, but God knew that. And they were going into a battle at AI, and they lost in the battle of Ai, dramatically. The Israelites lost a lot of people. And they were like, wait a minute. I thought, I mean, if we, if we had this amazing victory and God split the river, how did, how did we lose? And essentially, God told Joshua, it's because you guys disobeyed. And, jo and, God, and Joshua's like, What? And, and, and God said, there's, there's, sin, there's sin in your camp. And essentially, they, they, they called forth all the people, and they interviewed them. Did you sin? 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 And ultimately, Achan said that he did. And sure enough, the leaders were sent to Achan's tent, and they dug up, and they found the silver coins. They found the robe. And they found the gold bar. And, and I'm, I'm not, I know this is a pretty serious matter. And there's a lot to understand here. So I understand that there is some context. But Achan and his sons and his daughters and his donkeys and his animals and his tent 
were brought to the valley and were stoned and buried because they disobeyed God. And you know what they did? True story. And you know what they did? The mood was different, but they needed to remember. They needed to remember disobedience. Now, I know there's some context here. And I know it's 2019, and it's not a super popular message. But I need to tell you as a preacher of the whole book of the Bible, the whole book, the whole counsel of God, that God is God, and we are not. And that God is good, and that God is merciful. And when God says don't do something, we don't do it. And when God says do something, we do it. And if I'm wrong at the end of the day, then I'm wrong. But I'm not going to be aching. And I have been aching. And I've been wrong. And I throw myself and you throw yourself at the mercy of Jesus. And that's what we do. And that's why Jesus is our everything. That's why we celebrate what Jesus did on the cross. It's because he took our wrath for us. You need to know that for the Israelites, there are a few examples, even in these couple chapters, Conduit, where they piled rocks. You need to know this, that in their obedience or their disobedience, God was faithful. <clears throat> God was faithful. There are two things, there are two ways that I think describe God's faithfulness. Two quick things that I think describe God's faithfulness. Number one, I think, and two illustrations, I think, describe God's faithfulness. Number one is the Grand Canyon. Has anybody ever been to the Grand Canyon? Beautiful, incredible, ferocious, actually. Um, I, uh, we used to live in Arizona, and I've uh, been there a couple times. Incredible. Um, uh, weather there changes on a dime. It's just a beautiful and ferocious place. In fact, I read an article this week that talked about how ferocious of a place it is and how um, over the years uh, it's actually a really dangerous place. Um, lots of people have died because of falling or um, heat exhaustion from thinking that they can hike here, there, or whatnot and not have enough water and dying of heat exhaustion or uh, being bit by a rattlesnake or lots of other um, examples. The if you could just imagine in your mind the terrain, it doesn't give. It, it it in other words, it is what it is. And we all want to explore it. We all want to experience it. We all want to see it in its grandeur and everything that it is. And I think of God's faithfulness in a very similar way. Let me define God's faithfulness like this. God's faithfulness is he keeps his promises. The Bible is filled with his promises. And he keeps all of his promises. And it's for his glory, his glory. And it's for our joy. We get to share in that joy with him. Let me say it a more simple way. He does what he says he will do. There has never been a time where God has said he's going to do something where he did not do it. So if God says he's going to do something, he will do it. 
There is not anything at the Grand Canyon that you cannot, like if you expect it to be hot, it will be hot. If you expect that there's a distance that you're going to fall, that that's exactly what will happen. There's nothing magical about it. That's what's going to happen. That's what faithfulness is. It's consistent all the way around. And I think that sometimes in this day and age, when we talk about the goodness of God, I think, or the graciousness of Jesus Christ, sometimes we think that Jesus is somehow just our buddy. And God has sent Jesus Christ, and he is a friend that will never leave you nor forsake you. But you need to also know, too, as much as he loves you, you need to know that God has poured out his wrath on his son. And without faith in Jesus Christ, <laughs> there is no forgiveness of sins. Our forgiveness comes by our faith in Christ. So listen, even Achan's sin, hear me, even Achan's sin revealed God's faithfulness. Think about that. Even Achan's sin revealed God's faithfulness. God said, do not do this. Achan says, I am going to do this. Achan had the courage to do what he was going to do. His courage led to diso and no disobedience and ultimately led to abundant destruction of his own life and his own family. And they forever remembered that. This breaks my heart for Achan. It breaks my heart for Ai. And it breaks my heart ultimately for Israel. I need you to know, conduit, that courage and obedience equals abundant blessing. But this is what I want you to be remembered by. I want you to be remembered by your simple acts of obedience, not your simple acts of disobedience. Back to Jericho. So they're walking around every day, six days, and on the seventh day, they were to walk around seven times. They handed these priests uh, horns from rams, and they were to walk around blowing these horns, and here's the best part. I love this, because um, <laughs> if you can imagine, like, uh, over a million people, they said, all right, Nobody talks. Right? Children, too. <laughs> oh, I could go on about that. It ain't happening. That's crazy. So they're walking around, and they're walking around, and they're walking around. And then it says on the last one, when they blow the trumpets, they're to let out a shout. But here, as I, was read, I read this over and over and over, I'm like, I can, I, I'm not discerning what it says that they shout. But you know what I think they, they, they shouted? <laughs> this is it. Okay, so you're going to hear about this the rest of the Joshua series. This is actually super amazing. So back in Joshua 1, back in Joshua 1, Joshua 1, 9, uh, back to several different places, it says something to this effect, but specifically in Joshua 1, 9, it says, be strong and of good courage. So at that moment, this is an encouragement for Joshua, and not just for Joshua, but for the Israelites to be strong in the Lord and be strong and of good courage. This led ultimately to a Hebrew or an Israelite war cry. A war cry that goes like this. Rock Shazak. Yeah. Rock Shazak. It's an Israeli war cry, which means be strong and courageous. So this is what I think. I think that not only that verse, not only that moment meant for them, it, was, it wasn't just for them to have courage. It was meant for them to yell this. It was meant for them to remind each other that it isn't just the courage. It isn't just the obedience. But ultimately, 
We're on the edge of abundant blessing. It says at the beginning that they already have victory. What is the, one of the very first words of chapter 6? God says, I have given you the land. I've not only given you the land, but I've given you the, the city of Jericho. The walls are even still up. The people are already, they're still in there safe and sound. Like there's nothing that's been conquered. But God says to Joshua, I've already given you that city. Like you've already won. But Rakshazak, be strong in the Lord. This has been chattering all throughout the thing. But they're supposed to march around for a week and not say a word. Can you imagine the buildup? Can you imagine the tension? Can you imagine the anticipation of that moment? And oh man, I want to know so bad what they yelled. But for this moment, for this day, I think this is what they yelled. In fact, um, so instead of buying anniversary gifts, a few years ago, uh, my wife and I started doing this um, giving keys thing where we give each other on our anniversary a key and on the keys inscribed a word that is significant, something that we need for that season. So she picks a word for me and I pick a word for her. And this is the word uh, many of you ask about this. You're like, what is that? Um, is that like Russian or what? Um, and this is the word inscribed on mine for this year is Rak Shazak. And there's some things that I was facing and going through and um, thinking through where I just needed to be strong and courageous in the Lord. And for them, as they're walking around, that build up, as the horns are blowing, and then imagine over a million people suddenly, Rakshazak! Woo! Like, and then all of a sudden, the whole city crumbles to the ground. And they conquer the whole thing. Can you imagine how big, after they wiped the dust out, how big their eyes were? You want to talk about a miracle. The river, like that was small potatoes. That was nuts. Rock, Shazak, you want to talk about strength? You want to talk about courage? You want to talk about hope in the one true God? You want to talk about God with us? God is with us. It doesn't matter who the Jebusites are in the next city. It doesn't matter what Canaanites or who anybody is at this point. You better watch out because we're coming for you. If we got to like dance at the next city, we got to do cartwheels in the next city, we got to do like weird things in the next city. Whatever it is, whatever God's asking us to do, we're going to obey and we're going to do whatever he says because there is abundant blessing waiting for us. Great moves of God are usually preceded by simple acts of obedience. Conduit, I want you to be remembered. No, no, no. Let me say it a different way. Because it's not about you. You're not, sorry, I'm not, you're not. It's not about you. We're a part of God's story not God's a part of your story. You're a part of God's story. I want God's story in this life for you, in this church, in this city, to be about obedience. You're scared about something going on in your life. You're scared about something going on in your family. Maybe for you, you're not conquering a land. You're not trying to tear down any walls. You're not trying to do anything crazy like this. Maybe your context is so different. You need to know in this moment. In fact, I think you probably know. Maybe for you, obedience is to stand still. Maybe for you, obedience is to stand firm. Maybe for you, obedience is just to believe strongly. Maybe for you, obedience is just simply just closing your eyes, trusting God in this season of the unknown, the uncertainty. Maybe for you, obedience is being faithful. Maybe for you, obedience is going back 
and just trust in what God's word says, even though it doesn't make any sense. This made no sense to anybody. But then again, neither did the river thing. Then again, neither did fall on a cloud. Then again, neither did follow in a pillar of fire by name. Neither did anything God has ever asked us to do. A lot of times it doesn't make any sense. But neither does obedience hardly ever make sense. Courage is the fun part. Obedience, man, but that's the doorway. That's the doorway to abundant blessing. What is it for you today? And would you just simply surrender this morning to the Lord? Maybe for you it's a simple yes. Maybe it's a simple yes to say, Jesus, I am in. I want to be forgiven of my sins. I want to begin a relationship with you. I want to obey your commands. I want to, I want to, I want to begin to come to church. I want to begin a relationship with you. I want to, I want to make this right with this person. I want, to, I'm, I want to begin to, whatever it is for you, maybe it's just a simple yes. In fact, why don't you stand and we'll close. If you need prayer, obviously the altar is open. I want to encourage you to come pray as we close in song, and as Katie comes up at the end and um, and dismisses us. <clears throat> Jesus, thank you for your goodness. Jesus, we just ask that as we celebrate ultimately your courage, we celebrate ultimately your obedience, we celebrate and we remember that when you died, you we remember you for your obedience on the cross. You held on tight and you did exactly what you were asked. Father God, you have an ability to see the whole thing. Not only are you everywhere, but you're able to, you're not trapped in time and you're able to see everybody in this room's life. You're able to see somehow our life and not in a, in a matter of time. And so God, whatever you're speaking to us right now through your Holy Spirit, your word is true. Your words are true because you see something that we don't. So may our obedience be quick. Be quick. Not because of our reason, not because of our logic, but because we trust you. You know what we don't. And you're God. And you've never failed. You've always been faithful. You've never failed us. You've never failed us. You've never failed anybody. God, we thank you for your goodness. And we thank you for your mercy. That even the times that we have failed, that you forgive us. Even the times that we have sinned. You sent your son Jesus to forgive us. And to receive us. And may we respond accordingly.